I want to give a shout out to Aventus. Aventus is the world's leader in trade surveillance for digital assets. Trusted by Coinbase, Gemini, OSL, and many others, Aventus is also helping scores of other firms enter the crypto markets. For digital asset trade surveillance, think Aventus. And I also want to give a shout out to Kraken. With Kraken, the cryptocurrency exchange, you can instantly buy and sell over 50 of the most popular cryptocurrencies or even earn additional rewards through their industry-leading staking service. Payouts are twice a week and you can earn up to 20% each year. Visit Kraken.com now to learn more. Exodus is one of the most loved crypto apps due to its sleek design and easy-to-use exchange feature. Secure and manage over 130 cryptocurrencies from your computer or phone. No account registration is required. Download Exodus at exodus.com and you're ready to go. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, Director of News at The Block. And today we are joined by a very special guest, Vanessa Grillet. She is the head of portfolio growth at CoinFund. She just got started, so she's ready to just dive in. They're throwing her into the sharks, coming on The Scoop to talk about exactly what they're doing over at CoinFund. Previously, she was an executive director at Consensus, where she was building out many different projects on the Ethereum blockchain. And today she's a champion, a vocal champion for Ethereum, NFTs, and many different things happening in the in the industry. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited thank you. to have you with us. Thanks for having me. So this is your first podcast with CoinFund, which is an honor, I'd say. Tell us a little bit about how you got to the firm and what your role is. What what exactly is head of growth? What are you doing there? Yeah, so I um, I worked for about five years at Consensus, uh, working closely with a lot of the projects there, and then moving on to CoinFund. It was a natural fit for me to become the head of portfolio growth to help all the portfolio companies grow and scale and become the best decentralized leaders that you could have in the space. So I'm pretty excited to be there. Since I joined, I've been working with amazing companies and leaders like from Rarible, from Union Finance, from Cryptoys, all the new portfolio companies that we brought in. And basically, we help them across several dimensions. One is, you know, when you're a very early stage company, you might not have already your product market fits, you're just, you know, delivering the tech and you have to think about a lot of other things that you need to deliver, like your token economics, how you're going to launch your token, how you're going to build your community, what is the liquidity management of that token, and how you're going to do all the hiring and the marketing for your projects. You also need to be connected with other protocols. You also need to be connected with other clients. And my function, in essence, is to bring that all together, leverage the expertise of the CoinFund teams, and work with the, the leaders of the portfolio companies to help them deliver. It's an amazing team. I mean, um, ranging from Jake's, you know, visionary perspective on the tech to Seth's perspective on liquid markets, running our hedge fund, and then 
the deep experience of Alex in enterprise and financial markets. And so, you know, I'm able to pull all these amazing talent into the discussion, but also leveraging the great team that we have of analysts who also have, you know, are either crypto natives or uh, financial market specialists. It's a pretty interesting time for the venture and private investment landscape. I mean, if you look at the price charts of Bitcoin and the other cryptos, you might think that we're in a slump or a lull, but the deal activity that we're seeing on the private side is almost antithetical to what's going on in the public market, public crypto token market, if you will. Looking at a chart that my great colleague, John D'Antoni, whipped up for me for a big news announcement for tomorrow, which by the time this podcast goes out will actually be public, but it's another fun launch in the space, massive fun launch. Looking at the numbers here, 2021, we've had $8.8 billion in total venture and private investment in the crypto market. 2020 was 3 billion. If we go back, I guess, to when you first started in the space, was it 2015? 2015, we had 0.6 billion. So a little over half a billion dollars of investment. So basically growing at a breakneck clip. So that kind of like lays the foundation for a question, which is how do you kind of navigate that intense amount of deal flow? So first, I want to say that I think this is only the beginning. If you compare, you know, the deal flow of crypto compared to private equity and the general uh, VC space, it's still small. And I think uh, there's a few cycles, right? Now we see the products getting product market fit and adoption with consumers. So you see a big deal flow of the more mature a series coming up and institutional investors really getting interested here. And then innovation continues at a very rapid pace in the space. And so we have a team of around five analysts um, who deal with the inbound, but also are very active in the ecosystem. So we invest in the Ethereum ecosystem, we invest in the Polkadot ecosystem, near ecosystem. And so we want to capture all the opportunities there and understand what it takes to grow layer one and all the building blocks that are needed there. So it allows us to select very easily the projects that we're interested in. It has become very competitive with other crypto funds. All the rounds are oversubscribed. Um, all the rounds. Almost all. All the rounds. And the valuations are up the roof. So, you know, there needs to be a rapid process by which we're able to allocate our capital. And how do you elbow your way into deals? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, like there are some massive funds now operating in the crypto market. You know, there's been reports about A16Z's upcoming $2 billion venture capital fund. That's an insane amount of money to deploy especially in an ecosystem that's made up or comprised of mostly, or at least on the DeFi side, mostly C to A level rounds. Yeah. How do you get in there when they could just eat it all up? So I think the entrepreneurs are looking for different VCs in their cap tables, and they're looking to leverage the different capabilities of the VCs. So it's kind of hard for them to accept that one VC takes the entire round And I think it's a better outcome for them to have different perspectives, different networks that they can tap into. And so I don't think like people really elbow themselves in. You're mostly selected 
by the funds for what you bring to the table. And what we bring to the table is deep technological expertise, the capacity to participate in governance, and also the capacity to very quickly help the companies ramp up and, you know, you know, the connectivity to the entire ecosystem. So, you know, I'm not sure we elbow ourselves into the deals. I think, you know, the entrepreneurs are making choices based on, you know, what we offer. Specialization probably helps, right? I mean, we had news today, Rarible closed 14 million round led by coin funds. So obviously follows the dapper raises that we saw. So obviously you guys are, you're very interested in NFTs. You have a thesis around that. To what degree does sort of getting in on a deal in a given sector beget more deals in that sector? So I think the NFT sector, especially as Jake was very early in the space, and that's how actually we connected because I was also very early in space. I was on the board of Dada NYC and just being an evangelist when no one was listening to us. I think getting that, having been there very early, gives us an edge in understanding the entire ecosystem and the dynamics around it and what it takes to be successful in the space. And I think in general, that's what CoinFund is, because if you look at our founders, everyone got in very early in the crypto space. So, you know, I bought my first Bitcoin in 2013, same as Seth and Jake even earlier. Seth and Jake participated in the Ethereum ICO. So you know, we've I've seen Seth's living room. I'm surprised based off of the wood paneling, he didn't buy Bitcoin in like 2004 or something. <laughs> and, like, 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 did he get in before it was even invented probably. based on that wood paneling? And, you know, he invested early in Coinbase. So, you know, it's a group of investors who has been there early on with a lot of conviction, a lot of conviction on the NFT and helping shape you know, the NFT space and helping the leaders think through about their go-to-market and about how they can expand their business, their networks, their protocols. So what are some of the specific type of tools that a VC firm can offer to a portfolio company that will get them on board with bringing them onto the cap table? Like what specifically are some of the value adds? So I think understanding the crypto economics and token economics and helping the company go through that offer, ramping up to the launch of mainnet, et cetera, is really, really important for us to give advice on how to engage the community on how to getting the, the product market fit. I think those are the, the two most important things. And also being an active participant in the network so that we can support the companies from the get-go. And then, you know, every leader is different. Every company mm-hmm. needs different things. First-time founders, there are second-time founders, there are crypto-native founders, and all of them have their strengths and weaknesses and blind spot. And what we bring to the table is helping them with their blind spot, helping them create teams that complement them and make them successful because it's just not one person. It's not just you need a an aggregation of talent and that complement each other in order to be successful. And so we're very focused on surfacing that with the teams and helping them think about their culture, what it takes to make a, a great company, what it takes to make a great team, what it means to be a leader in the decentralized world, 
because you could think it's, you know, it's not a top-down approach. How can you become an inspirational leader that can work across DAOs, work across, you know, developer network, work across now, you know, consumer approach? It's a complex set of skills that you need in order to succeed. You mentioned earlier about the frothiness on the private side and how some of these deals are not just oversubscribed. First off, you have a few different factors here. A lot of the deals are oversubscribed and then companies are raising subsequent rounds weeks, a few months after the previous ones. When is that going to cool down? And how does a VC capitalize on that insane momentum? I think there's a few factors. Um, you know, after COVID, everyone had time to really start building a lot and be very sort of efficient with their time. And that translates into projects accelerating very quickly. And also due to the maturity of the, the technology and where we are uh, in terms of sort of the layer two solutions, you know, it's easier to build, it's easier to build fast, et cetera. So I think that it may cool down, but I just don't see it cool down immediately. You see that even with the markets collapsing, this long-term conviction in the blockchain solutions and in crypto is very strong. And you have more and more teams coming in that are going to get funded. It may cool down a little bit, but I think we're going to see a continuation of this, uh, of this trend. If we're talking about collapses in the crypto market, we not need to look any further than the NFT space, which you're really passionate about. But we had this wild run up. It came back from the dead almost three years after the crypto kitties. Correct. If you look at the peak trade volumes for NFT platforms, we had almost 200 million on February 21st. You go down to this most recent past week of June 20th, 12.9 million. I mean, that's a scary drop off. What do you make of that? So I think there was a lot of perceived uh, excesses in price formation on the NFT side and a lot of excitement. And then people coming to the realization that they either could not sell the NFT on another platform or it wasn't as as easy to sell again, et cetera. And so I think, you know, coming to that, that realization, it sort of pulled down. That being said, every day we see a new NFT platform project coming our way. And we're actually, there's so much demand that we're actually creating a new vehicle called Metaversal, who is going to focus solely on NFTs. It's going to invest in NFT infrastructure. It's going to buy NFTs themselves. So we really think that there's a way to generate alpha there. And then it's going to be a studio for large projects to bring NFTs to the market. So we're sort of doubling down on the NFTs, even though it's uh, you see a um, slowing down in the consumption. I think we're going to see a lot of tools around lending, around the financialization of NFTs that are going to make the NFT space even larger than other spaces um, like DeFi, et cetera. I want to clarify something. I made a slight dumb mistake. So obviously that was for this week. The week isn't over. So it'll 
probably end up being a little bit more than 12 million. But if you look at the past few weeks before that, we're thinking about, you know, we're looking at 35 million to 45 million per week. So still a significant drop off, but not as dire as going down to 12 million. There's a lot to unpack here. We could have probably a two hour conversation about your view on the metaverse and NFTs, but let's double click on this sort of new vehicle that you guys are creating. How big is it going to be? Is it going to sit under CoinFund? Who's leading it? Tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. So um, Yossi Hassan and Dan Sherman are going to lead this. It's going to be a company. So um, it will start to fundraise and we'll close and we'll announce it soon. But we are already engaging deeply with the NFT community and CoinFund is going to be a co-investor in that company. So again, leveraging the entire point fund capabilities to support this very focused vehicle that will allow for for people who really, you know, want to invest in NFTs but are, you know, hesitant on just taking a bet on one company or or specific NFTs to uh, to invest. So we're pretty excited about that. And I think, you know, NFTs is is so much more than just the art, is so much more than the collectibles. Anything can be an NFT. Think about contracts, think about other aspects of your life that is unique that you can create an NFT out of. So sky's the limit a little bit with NFTs. And we think that that vehicle will allow us to capture that. So what do you think is the use case, the NFT use case that's going to take hold first? So what we see just from the market is that the collectibles has a disproportionate, art and collectibles have a disproportionate size currently in the market because it's sort of the ones that are the easiest to understand from the consumer perspective and has the capability to have a lot of volumes, right? So those are the first two that came in, but I think gaming will be able to leverage NFTs in a very significant way. And fashion is also another area that's going to be able to leverage NFTs. So I worked with LVMH and Prada and Richmond to build their consortia when I was at Consensus. And it's a track and trace consortia that I'm sure in the future will leverage NFTs and allow to create specific you know, uh, experience for clients, allow for co-creation, allow for, you know, showing up in the world with your NFT, with your brand. And I think it's it's amazing opportunities uh, for large consumer brands to come in. So, you know, I don't know what the other use case will be, but um, I think there's, there's a lot of possibilities there. So you think like one of the most profound ones will be you think of these luxury brands like Gucci or something tying their products to these tokenized, you know, the way I think about it, and you can tell me if this is the wrong way of thinking about it since you're the expert, but these sort of, they're like tokenized certificates of authenticity that can't sort of be altered, changed, or destroyed. Yeah, that's one use case, right? So that's the first use case that a lot of the luxury brands focused on because they're worried about counterfeit. Uh, the gray markets, and they want to be able to identify with certainty that one item is the item of their brand that they produce. So that's one thing. But I'm thinking that with with the metaverse, it's going to go beyond that. 
it's all about your uh, digital identity, right? So you could have, for example, uh, a digital bag or the digital representation of the bag that you can use in your metaverse with your avatar, or you could even buy a digital good from the brand that just lives in the metaverse. Like you don't even need to tie it with the physical aspect of it. And that's what's really exciting is that as our lives have gone online, despite, you know, um, what we wanted them to be uh, and having digital first generations who are going to live in the metaverse, who are buying land, who are buying clothes, who are buying experiences there, it creates uh, almost like a second uh, huge market for consumer goods and an experience. I want to give another shout out to Aventus. Aventus is the world's leading platform for digital asset trade surveillance and market risk. With some of the largest crypto exchanges and institutions in the world using Aventus to drive efficiencies in their regulatory operations. On June 22nd and the 23rd, Aventus and the Association for Digital Asset Markets will be co-hosting a premier virtual conference shining a light on Digital Asset Markets 2021. Visit AventusSystems.com today to register for this event so you can hear from the key regulators and thought leaders in digital assets. Have to give a shout out to Kraken, one of our sponsors. For the last 10 years, Kraken has been known as one of the best platforms for trading crypto online. Now with the new Kraken app, it's easier than ever to buy and sell over 60 of the most popular cryptocurrencies on the go 24-7. Simply download the Kraken app, connect to your bank account, and start investing for as little as $10. Just a minute is all it takes to get started. Visit kraken.com scoop now to learn more or search Kraken in the App Store. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Exodus. Exodus is one of the most loved crypto apps due to its sleek design and easy-to-use exchange feature. Secure and manage over 130 cryptocurrencies from your computer or phone, and interactive charts let you view the price history of a specific asset and your portfolio's performance over time. Sync your wallet across multiple devices to access your funds from anywhere. And maybe the best part, Exodus is integrated with Trezor Hardware Wallet, making advanced security easy for everyone. Download Exodus at exodus.com today. I was talking to my, one of my close friends in the space when I was down in Miami about, he's really into the metaverse. And I don't know if I'm just like a like a boomer at heart. I just need someone to red pill me on the metaverse. I get Bitcoin as soon as I learned that made sense to me. DeFi, you know, covered trading for several years, understood the implications of that on market structure and how it makes many different elements of, you know, whether it's incentivizing liquidity or, or improving zero coupon bonds. I get it. I don't understand why anyone would buy a fake piece of land in a digital world for a million dollars. Makes no sense to me. So maybe this, this can be the Herculean task for you on the show. Maybe because I'm cheap, I don't know. I don't get why anyone would do that. But I also don't like video games. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe we need to invite you to a few uh, events in the metaverse where you can bring in your avatar and, and experience that. So what happens if I'm in the metaverse and I don't have land? 
What does it like? Why can't I just stay at your place? You could. I could rent you my apartment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm joking, but um, yeah. Like, you know, if I don't even know if I'm skeptical, I just don't get it. But I, I'm curious, like, how you'd sort of draw someone in. Yeah. So there is a generational gap uh, sometimes. I think it's how much you are willing to experiment your life online, right? Think about how much time you spend online connecting, you know, through regular social media with your loved ones or your colleagues, etc. Here you have the possibility to create an environment where everything is interconnected, right? Whether it's AR or VR, whether it's the internet, whether it's gaming, and all these worlds come together in the metaverse. If you're not engaged in gaming, it's not because there's the metaverse that you're going to become a gamer, right? Uh, but I think once you start experimenting the new capabilities that are out there, uh, because we're no longer at the second life type of experience, these are deeply immersive experience that allow you to connect globally with you know everyone you know, everyone you don't know. It brings huge opportunities as long as you dive a little bit in it. So it might be worth taking a little bit of time um, to immerse yourself in those worlds and and then we can have a conversation. I mean, I was being flippant, but I do understand the value through the lens of just how massive the gaming industry has become. So I, I understand the bull thesis. It's more of like on a micro personal Frank level. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me in that way. But anyway, it's super fascinating still. Like, And then there's a whole bunch of different like ethical related questions or like sort of like philosophical questions that you can get into where it's like, who's controlling the metaverse and to what degree is it actually decentralized? Um, that's a great question. And I mean, I think that's why we all need to push for maximum decentralization, right? That's That's what we're here for. It's not so that someone can just take a platform and do the same thing as what Google and Facebook did, right? It's for us to own those platforms, uh, those decentralized platforms, and um, sort of be the author of our journey there. Do you think of like NFTs or rather the metaverse being an extension of NFTs in a sense? So... NFTs and blockchain are what, you know, empowers the metaverse. This unique capability, mm. which was not available before, to have a unique digital ownership of things in that world just changes the game, right? Because you can lend your NFT, you can own, you can display, you can, you know, do everything that proprietary rights sort of uh, allow you to do in the metaverse, it allows you to really power the metaverse as it was not possible before. How do you think the metaverse will engage, interact with the traditional capital markets? So you keep talking about, you know, lending your NFTs, but mm -hmm. in what way could, you know, I use or leverage whatever social capital I have that lives in the meta metaverse or that lives in NFTs? So Maybe I own a million dollars in land and Decentraland, or I own a crypto kitty that's worth X. 
will I be able to use that to get a mortgage on a home in the in the real world at some point? I, how do you see these two worlds I think, interconnected? I think that will be the case. I think we need to wait for the maturity of the markets themselves, right? Right now, you know, very hard to price an NFT. We invested in a company called uh, Upshot, which uh, actually uh, is critical to this because it allows you to um, really establish mechanisms to for price uh, determination, right? So we have to wait until the infrastructure of the markets, the pricing, you know, like like the crypto markets in um, in when we trade them, we need that whole marketplace to mature. So I think that will happen in the future. It's not going to happen this year or next year, but it will happen. And then the interconnectivity between the physical and the digital uh, will be more and more. Um, there's going to be, you know, things leading with the digital uh, compared to the physical, and then a, a additional sort of value accrued to the digital compared to the physical. We see a lot of projects, you know, in real estate. They want to do tokenization. We're going to see tokenization of securities. We're going to see a mix of the digital and physical world coming up very soon. Obviously, one of the criticisms or sort of questions hanging over the NFT market and the Bitcoin market to an extent, it uses a lot of energy to create one of these these things. How do you think the market gets over that hurdle? So, you know, I've been an impact investor uh, for a very long time. Uh, I've always done that in parallel of my, you know, uh, my day job. And, you know, the way the world is going is not saying, oh, let's continue to go and destroy the planet, right? The way the world is going is let's all work together to find solutions regarding climate change. And in that context, I think the sustainability issue that came up with Bitcoin and NFTs was sort of a little bit exaggerated compared to other sources of consumption of energy. Like we're not comparing apples to apples, we're comparing apples to oranges. Like, are we taking into account, you know, what the uh, what is the energy consumption of AI computing, or what is the energy mm-hmm. consumption of large banks that have brick and mortar offices? So. I think we want to take a step back and say, okay, yes, we don't want this activity to make things worse, but we can find solutions to make them at least even or better. And so, you know, there are some initiatives on the Bitcoin side, you know, to be geared towards clean energy. There's the transition to proof of work for Ethereum. And we see a lot of the chains um, and the layer ones that are focused on proof of work, which also consumes less energy. So I think it's a genuine um, issue that needs to be addressed. At CoinFund, we're also thinking about how to address this across our portfolio to ensure that we're sort of carbon neutral and, and thinking about that. I think it's it's really important for everyone. I mean, you've seen you know, Elon Musk get a slap on the hand when from his shareholders saying like, hey, you can't, you can't just say that we need to find a solution, right? When you're advocating for being a, um, a green company. So I think, you know, it's, there's too much emphasis on Bitcoin and the exact numbers and, and what it means. It's just like, I think everyone gets that we're 
we're going to move in the right direction. Okay, so let's zoom out a little bit and think about, as you look at the market in its totality, the NFT market, what needs to happen for new life to breathe into it so that we see the same amount of weekly transaction, user interest? I mean, there's obviously a lot of capital flooding in on the private side, but how do we get the adoption that we saw blimp of have sticking power? How do these platforms, to boil down the question into a more succinct sentence, how do these platforms create sticking power so that these users don't just come when there's the hype cycle and then immediately leave? Yeah. So I think there's there's a few components. One is better UI UX for all these platforms, and we're we're sort of getting there. Better functionalities, better capabilities of you know what do you do once you have an NFT? Like, can you sell it? Can you lend it? Can you display it and get royalties? So all those additional functions need to be there. Uh, there needs to be also maybe some abstraction regarding the crypto and the wallets. So a lot of the, the platforms are trying to do that when they have marketplaces so people can easily access them. And then the second part is also the maturity of the infrastructure, whether it's storage, whether it's price formation, whether it's visibility on price formation or other insurance you know, capabilities. And there needs to be some maturity there and also a little bit of sort of legal certainty about, you know, people need to understand what they're buying, right? If you're buying an NFT, what does that mean? It's really actually in the terms and conditions of the platform that tells you what, you know, what you're entitled to. Can you use that NFT for other commercials? Can you, you know, what can you do with it? And I think, there's going to be more and more platforms that are going to adhere to some standards or some some form of common agreement of like what an NFT is. And then there needs to be interoperability between the platforms because currently you're you're kind of vendor locked in. And I think that's not what we want. We want like, you know, NFTs to flow across platforms and allow for broader distribution. That makes sense. So in terms of the legal element, I think the big question to your point is, what are these things? So it depends on, you're saying it kind of depends on what the platform itself says they are, or is there something else there? It depends on on what type of NFT we're talking about. If the NFT is linked to sort of a physical representation or if it's a digitally native NFT, because like what you own is the digital native item, right? And so how does that link? It's going to be like, Every every contract might be different. Some will be tied to the physical ownership. Some will be just digital and will allow you to display it, but for example, not allow you to exploit it commercially. So, you know, it's disconnected from the IP rights. That's the key message is that you have to mm. understand that disconnect. And you may not be able to rely on IP rights if you just have the NFT. Well, Vanessa, this was... Very edifying. I'm so glad we finally got you on the show. Congrats on joining the firm. Thank you. Vanessa, where can people learn more about you and CoinFund? Where can they learn more about the metaverse? CoinFund.io. Vanessa at CoinFund.io. I'm available on Twitter, you know, LinkedIn, Discord. I'm always responsive. So please feel free to reach out. And if you want to learn more about the metaverse, Metaversal, um, also ping me and we'll, we'll connect you. Thanks for coming on. Talk soon.